Kia ora and welcome everyone to the Kiwi Running Show. Good to have you here. Uh, my name is Hayden Sherman and with me on the other end of the line is uh, Stefan Smith. Welcome along, Stefan. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good, good, Hayden. Good to chat with you again and catch up. Yeah, it's been a while since our last show. Uh, so we are attempting to be monthly, but it's sort of a, a roughly, roughly monthly kind of thing. Yeah, five weeks, close enough, close enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but man, there's been so much happening. We're sort of every day being like, "Oh, I can't wait to get Stefan on the on the line to talk about this one." Um, so we've got a hang of a lot of news to get through. Um, and just as a heads up for those listening, uh, at the end of the show, we'll finish off with a interview with Craig Kirkwood, um, who is will be known for many as a as a marathon runner. Um, well, is it good? Really good. All, all sorts of runner, really, cross-country, everything. Um, and But more recently, he's been coaching some, some pretty fast runners, um, most notably Sam Tanner um, in the, the 1500, and he's also got some triathletes. So Hayden Wilde has been making a lot of noise in the, uh, the triathlon scene. Um, and then right through to Mel Aitken, who's just got a... a silver medal in the New Zealand 100k championships just yesterday in Christchurch so yeah he's um, a really good all-round coach and um, really significant figure in New Zealand's endurance com um, community so stick around for that chat but first of all Stefan um, what's been happening in the world of New Zealand running Kiwis overseas <laughs> yeah yeah there's been a lot going on with uh, swinging into the US uh, college system as well with all those guys coming back into going to the outdoor season now yeah um, so I'll, I'll start with a few kind of results of semi um, recency a couple of weeks ago um, with got a good crew of guys at NAU at the moment um, and they were competing at the Brian Clay Invitational um, one of the bigger ones was from uh, Theo Quacks, who is only 19, um, first season over there for him, and he set a new New Zealand under 20 1,500-metre record uh, running 39.84, um, which had um, yeah, stood for a very long time, which was by Eddie Crow um, back in 92, I think, at the World Juniors. Yeah. Now, do you know much about Eddie? Um I've just heard stories stories about him, but I think he used to compete quite a bit against um, Richard Potts, who yep. I knew recently well as um, grew up in the same area as Richard and actually um, raced him a couple of times when he was at the end of his career and I was still a junior. So um, I know that Eddie was a really talented guy. He, well, he's actually fifth at that World Junior Champ, so um, pretty impressive. Yeah, totally. And so Theo, man, what a what a run. And I actually read a really cool piece on Let's Run about about him and of course his dad, Dick Quacks. Um and I don't did you read that piece on Let's Run? Yeah, yeah, it's really good, eh? Yeah. So basically they compared um uh Dick Quacks, so the the dad of, of Theo Quacks, um and also Matt Centrowitz, so uh, 2016 won the gold in the 1500, but his dad was also a really top runner, Some, kind of similar period to uh, Dick Quacks, um, and the comparison was insane. So um, I'll just read through these, these PBs. So the two fathers, Dick Quacks and Matt Centrowitz Sr., uh, both had a PB of 336 in the 1500, or both 336.7, um, and they both. This, this had, would have been when they were in college, right? 
Yeah, or this was lifetime PBs uh, for yeah, okay. both of them. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, Quacks and, and Matt Centrit Senior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they both had PBs of 13, 12 for the 5K. Um, Dick Quacks was a little bit slower than um, Centurits in the 10K, but those 5K, 1500, like that's uncanny, the comparison. But then you mm. stick to the sons, so Theo Quacks at age 19, which is right now runs 339 for the 1500. Um, and at the same age, Matt Centurits ran 3.36 high, so just a little bit quicker. But then at the same age, they both have the same 5K PB of 13.49. So mm. that is, um, that's a kind of cool little comparison. And hopefully, no, no pressure, Theo, but hopefully that means you've got some good Olympic results in the 1500. But we won't, <laughs> we won't hold that against you if you don't climb the ladder that yeah. high. Um, yeah, we won't hold it against if he doesn't get the world record. Yeah, yeah, but really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, and in that in that in, in that same race was um, Jordy Beamish as well, who's yeah. um, I mean he's only twenty two himself, so he's still a, a young bloke, and he ran a PB three thirty nine point one five, so wow. just just under a second um, ahead of Theo in the same race. Um, and obviously coming off that indoor championship um, medal he took uh, as well as obviously giving him a boost of confidence and being able to kick on. Um, but it's funny just after obviously talking about Santana most of the summer and then you got Theo who's essentially the same age and comes out and runs 339. It's pretty awesome to see. Um, hopefully it's spurring them all on at that level. Um, at the same meet, there was... Um, a couple of other uh, PBs as well um, from uh, guys from various um, schools, but one of them was uh, Hannah Miller as well in the 5,000 metres running 16.04, so nice. almost getting into that 15-minute uh, range. Um, and then moving on to the Mount Sac relays, we had um, Cameron Avery uh, run 29.29 for a PB. Cool. Um, Craig Lawton-Slager run uh, 13.44 for a 5K PB. Man, that's solid. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're also going to mention um, Geordie's 13.30-something as well um, that he ran recently. Yeah, that was just this weekend being, so 13.31 at um, Peyton Jordan, which is, yeah, obviously a re really great run. I think it puts him within the top five of NCAA performers this year. Um, someone from his school actually took out the lead um, for the NCA this year with a 1325. Um, so yeah, they've obviously got a pretty strong squad at the moment and, and really rolling. At the same meet, we had um, Camille Buscom, who's headed over for a stint over there with her team, um, qualifying for the world champs in the 10,000 metres, running 31-33, which is also a new PB. Wow. Um, and just shy of the Olympic standard as well, I, th I think I saw that as like 31.25 or something like that. So, um, yeah, getting pretty close to that mark as well. And I think that puts her third all-time. Uh, she may have already been third all-time potentially mm. in New Zealand. But um, So Kim Smith has got the 30.35. Um, then Nyla Carroll has got 31.28. And then Camille comes in with 31.33. So third all-time in New Zealand, that's um, that's pretty solid. Yeah, nice, no, good stuff. 
Um, and then uh, obviously off the track with some of the marathons around as well, um, there's been quite a bit of marathon action happening uh, recently, but with the New Zealanders uh, involved, we had uh, Malcolm Hicks who ran uh, basically a three minute PB uh, from his time in Berlin last year. Um, he dropped a 2.13.51 for second in the race. So it's pretty close one there. And is also under the um, 2.16 uh, entry standard for Doha as well. So be interesting to see, um, I guess, what his moves are with that. I've, I've seen a lot in her about how people might kind of bypass the marathon being at Doha and being extremely hot conditions. But it's almost one of those things where it's like, you know, well, I don't know, especially at that level, it's, you might want to even go and run that race. But, um, yeah, you got to think about how you might perform in the heat or, you know, if you have a, I guess if you have a bad day, how that might affect you. But, yeah, um, it's, it's kind of a shame that the, the world champs are over there. I, I'm still, it bothers me a bit as to the thought process as to why it's gone there. But even the, the Diamond League was there on the weekend and the stadium was like so empty because yeah. it's so so 10,000 people looks tiny, you know? Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, just, I just in regards to the heat, it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the thinking was behind that. But yeah, well, they're going to be running the marathon at midnight for the world champ, yeah. which I don't know. It's still going to be, it's still going to be well over 30 degrees. <laughs> oh, man. That, <laughs> yeah. Like, that, good luck, you know. And the you thing is, the stadium, like, you, should the stadium with, yeah. you should see the stadium with the air conditioning. It's, a, it's insane. They got like oh, they a, have aircon. Yeah, it's like jet engine type thing all the way around the stadium, and it can lower. It can actually lower the temperature quite a bit. Not too sure what the like footprint has on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I wonder if they tweak the temperature depending what events on like hundred meter finals on. You crank up the heaters. <laughs> the, yeah, um, yeah. The ten thousand meters are on, and it's like as cold as you can possibly get it. That's yeah, exactly. Um, um, I mean, for Malcolm, because the big challenge yeah. is like his big dream is to run the Olympics, of course. So, like, doing another marathon could sacrifice that build up um, to run a fast time to qualify for Tokyo. So it's it's a bit of a, um, a bit of a toss up, eh? Like, do you go out and smash yeah. it? Yeah, especially when he needs to drop another another couple of minutes as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, and then in London, um, best performer there was, um, would say, would have been on the women's side by Rochelle Skeets Basil, um, who went 239.07 for a PB. So it's a small PB there. Yeah, yeah, cool. And did you watch much of the London Marathon? Yeah, I did. I was actually, I was, I was following a couple of younger Aussie guys who ran really well. But, um, and yeah, obviously, uh, Kipchoge was just, all class again. It's too easy in the end, wasn't it? It's insane. I, I don't know if we've I think ever it's 10, seen... 10 on the trot now. Yeah. <laughs> Wins in a row, yeah. I mean, just so dominant. And the way he crosses the finish line running that fast, and he looks like he's just finished a tempo run. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he seems like a guy very, um, like, still just consistently driven. Obviously, has a phenomenal mental game. Yeah. Um, and as yeah, you watch him run, he's just so smooth. It's like he's, he probably, I'm guessing he gets niggles and injuries, but you can see why he probably has long periods of like uninterrupted training is why he performs so well, I guess. Yeah, he, he's a machine. And 
I mean, not to raise the the drugs question, but we've just seen Asbel Kiprock mm. go down um, with a, a drugs ban, and he sort of, if there's any other comparison, probably the other comparison I'd make in recent terms would be to Kiprock's dominance in the 1500. Um, mm. Maybe, yeah, it's one of those things you just you just never know, and it's always so hard. But yeah, yeah, you just kind of take what it is and see just just kind of marvel on what's happening. Yeah, I mean, even if he is, uh, even if he was dirty, it's still an incredible feat to be able to have so many wins back to back and just keep peppering away at the, those world's best times is just ridiculous. That yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and I think that's the thing as well. It's like regardless um, of that, I, yeah, don't really want to get into it too much in regards to someone like Kipchoge because it seems like he's always been. Um, pretty good performer but it's just um you can still have bad days even if you've been doping you know just for especially within the marathon and all the variables happening it's unbelievable just consistency i'd love to i'd love to go through his training diary over the last 10 years or whatever because obviously he's a really successful track athlete before this but just seems like um i don't know terrible terrible cross-country runner though Oh, was he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like third, third at a world's on you. Average. Yeah. Can't win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, apart from, apart from that, I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up as well, obviously with the track, both in the US for the NCAA system. We've got some really good runners there at the moment and also with the um, outdoor season approaching in Europe as well. looks like Willis is going to give a 5K a solid crack, which would be awesome. I think he probably needs to run a couple of them to really nail one and not get too disheartened if the opening one doesn't go too well. Um, but he looks, he looks fit and... Um, ready to run a good one and um, there were all the Diamond Leagues coming up in Europe and then obviously looking for people to qualify um, for OR as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exciting times coming up with the European season about to get underway. So uh, a lot of our top performers down this part of the world um, who competed in the summer as well will be heading over to Europe and the States to, to log some fast times and try and book a ticket to the air conditioning of, um, of Doha. So we'll be back in just a second with some national news. All right, so we are back and um, big news around, around New Zealand has been the start of the autumn marathon season. So the usual one that kicks that off is the Rotorua Marathon, which was held just at the weekend gone, just on Saturday. Um, they had beautiful conditions, and I've seen some really cool photography and footage coming out from that, some, some drone footage. So really cool to see New Zealand's, what I'd call New Zealand's premier um, long-standing marathon. Um, and so taking out the race at the weekend was our good, good mate, Kieran Fayette. Um I am just trying to dig up the results. Uh, gone away from something, was it? Yes, so 2.25. Um, so Blair McWhirter, just a minute behind him, and then another minute back was Michael Boss. So... Michael Boss has been a um, busy boy, and I think that might be a marathon debut for him. Um, not sure, but local boy bringing out home the third place. So cool to see three guys go under uh, 2.30 there. 
And then in the ladies, we had Alice Mason um, win a close race, actually, from Cecilia Flory. Uh, so both of them running 2.51, but Alice um, about 30 seconds in front. Um, so it looked like some good racing. Then Letha Whittam um, running 3.04. So solid running there. And then in the half at the same event, we had two clear winners, John O'Jackson, Mr. Consistent himself, um, for winning in 113, and then Lisa Cross coming in in 122 to take out the ladies. Um, and then a few weeks before that, we had the, the Auckland's Waterfront Half Marathon, which is gaining in popularity, and we saw some pretty quick times. So it was Michael Voss, um, a couple of weeks before his third place at Rotorua, did a really solid 107 along the waterfront um, and some plenty of solid times in there as well. And then Lydia O'Donnell came through with a, a really impressive 114 to take out the woman. Um, we also had a couple of weeks ago had the New Zealand mountain running champs, uh, which often doesn't get as much love as it should. It's one of those events that I kind of typically find out about just before, you know, just either before it's happening or just after it's happened. But um, held down in Wellington, and Andy Good took that out, um, and Sabrina Grogan took out the, the women's race. So plenty of racing going on around the country, and um, plenty more to come with, I think, what, where are we at now? Is start of May, so the big races coming up will be Hawke's Bay Marathon, and then we'll have Christchurch, um, which is probably... We should see a bunch of guys and girls going for some quick times there at Christchurch and then Wellington, and then it's on to Gold Coast. So this is definitely the, the thick of the autumn marathon season coming up. So good luck to everyone who out there training. Um, and we are going to jump over to an interview with a man with a very quick marathon PB, um, Mr. Craig Kirkwood on the way from Tauranga. So... Really stoked to have um, Craig Kirkwood, I'd like to say in studio, but I'm actually in one of his athletes' bedrooms for the weekend um, as we are here at the, what do we what do we call this event? Is it like a festival of triathlon, ITU World Cup weekend? Is there a particular name that we're giving it? Yeah, they're calling it the uh, Taranaki Triathlon Festival. Cool. Um, it incorporates the secondary school. Uh, triathlon champs and the ITU World Cup, so yep. yeah, it's a pretty cool weekend, and it's, it's awesome for them to be joined together. Yeah, yeah, cool. Now, I was kind of thinking about how to how to kind of introduce yourself because I'm sure a lot of people listening will either know you as Craig Kirkwood, the runner, um, or Craig Kirkwood, the coach, um, or a bit of both, um, depending on probably how old they are. <laughs> You're saying I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yes. speaking from experience. Um, so let, let's start with, with the running side of things. So like when, when did that become a thing for you and, and how, did, how did running become a part of your life? Um, uh, well, harking back, yeah, so I think I started when I was about 13 or 14, um, yeah. just through school, um, ended up doing okay at nationals and cross country and on the track and what have you. 
Um, ended up going to the US on a scholarship, so nice. I was probably one of the early adopters for Kiwis over there. Um, yep. And so we're talking 90? Yeah, 90, 90s? I think yeah. 93 I went over, yeah. I, think was, I think that was my first year. Cool. Um, and I spent uh, quite a bit of time in Oklahoma at the university there, not not the same place um, as I pretty is. He was at Oklahoma State, I was at Oklahoma. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I spent some time there and um, yeah, just kind of escalated from there. Yeah, and, and what was that experience like for you? Was, were you middle distance, longer stuff? Um, what was your focus? Yeah, it was always a little bit longer because I never had the speed. Um, yeah. Probably a victim of being self-coached as a kid. Um, just did a lot of volume and um, probably probably wasn't ideal yeah. um, for the for you know racing on the track. But um, the lessons you learn in life, eh? So it yeah. Was, so it was it was good um, it was good experience and you know we had some good racing and some good times but um, certainly some things I would like to go back and change if I could. Yeah, yeah. cool. Mm. Um, and so, like a lot of our listeners, we, we often talk about the the journey over the in the college system. Um, what 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 sort of tips would you want to give or advice, wisdom that that you picked up being a, a college runner? Uh, I think the biggest thing would be to be and really careful about where you go, um, yeah. and be really considered about the the questions you ask and uh, the things you look at when you're looking at a university. Um, yeah. I, I think it's too easy to jump into the first offer or any offer that comes along. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that you really need to find a university that suits um, you and your your goals, um, and also you and your strengths and the program that's kind of going to best fit that. Um, married with the coach that seems like the best fit. So um, yeah. there's lots of angles, and you know I spent quite a bit of time with Sam um, this year going through that. Um, cool. We went through a pretty extensive uh, research process around uh, which universities were going to suit him and which which coaches which um, which programs had the best results and um, you know the, a, a good location for him as well he's obviously um, a kid who likes to do other stuff than just run so mm. that was important to look at so yeah where, where is Sam going going uh, he's going to the University of Washington in Seattle yep. so yeah cool. yeah so being near the near the coast, yeah, an attraction. <laughs> yeah, west coast, uh, some, some mountains and yeah. ocean nearby. Yeah, so yeah. he can surf and um, snowboard and what have you when cool. when he's allowed to. So yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, oh, that that's really good. And did that kind of include like calling up some of the athletes out there and, and seeing what what their experience of the the squad is like, or um, was it more just talking to the coaching? Um, well, we'd, to, we'd talked to the coaching staff. Obviously, Andy Powell, who had been at Oregon uh, and left and went to uh, and took up the job at Washington. So we'd been talking yep. to him when he was at Oregon, but it was probably a no-go just because of the scholarship program that they have there and it's very difficult to get a, a full scholarship at Oregon. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of wasn't on the table until he changed universities and then it became right. a more viable option again. So, And then when Lily Burden announced that she was changing, um, we kind of thought well maybe something more to this and why is she following them as coaches so yeah yeah we asked some yeah. questions of her and just um yeah did a bit more research that so made up awesome. part of that yeah. and it, as a coach I mean we'll get to um sort of jumping ahead mm. of yeah, the have, program yeah. a little bit <laughs> but as a coach like for you sending a an athlete off to the states are you gonna keep your your finger in the pie a little bit or, or is it totally let go of the reins and um yeah it's a tricky one actually and um Andy and I have spoken on the phone a few times and uh I think it'll be hard to let go but I think it's important that he has full control yeah um and then I'm not to be seen to be meddling um and I think Mm. that if Sam kind of comes to me asking for advice or has any questions that I think 
I'd be negligent to not answer them or to at least give them my opinion. Um, yeah, but I'd yeah. probably feedback Dandy as well because I think that's only fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and it is one of those things where we see athletes making those key transitions. It's quite important to, to get that right. Um, so then you you did college, and um, any sort of key successes at, at running in college for yourself that you sort of stand out as highlights? Um, oh, that's a good question. I had, I had a couple of good wins when I was there, and probably my last year um, I ran quite well across country. Um, I didn't make nationals, which was disappointing. I got sick right before the regional trial, oh, but no. the, uh, the, there was a pre-nationals meet that I went to, and I finished, I think, fifth, um, which... Wow, And nice. the five guys in front of me were the five guys who went top five at nationals. So Really? Um, I was probably on target to have a really good result that year, but got sick before regionals and didn't qualify. Wow. So, so um, you, you never ran national cross? Uh, no, I did run it yeah. once when yeah. I was... I think I was uh, my second year at university. Yeah. Um, over there so um but yeah that was probably my best year that I had uh, but I didn't really run that well when I was over there it wasn't until I left um I went to the UK I spent four years kind of in and out of the UK yeah. um after that and that's when I ran my best um I had I had, I had what I had coached that actually coached um when I was at university, we were kind of left to self-coach as well. So, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, more self-coaching. Yeah, more yeah. self-coaching, uh, which is great for learning because yeah, I learned yeah. heaps about myself and about what not to do, um, which <laughs> I'm, you know, I can use now that I'm in the coaching role. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it wasn't until I got to the UK where I had a real coach who oversaw my program and um, put a bit more structure in it. So Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, what did that that running look like once you got to the UK? Were you sort of stepping up in distances and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was did... still hacking around on the yeah. track, um, running five yeah. k's and ten um, k's, and um, did a few half marathons and what have you. Um, cool. Did two World Cross, um, and it was after the ninety nine. No, sorry, the 2000 World Cross when they announced the 2001 was going to be in Belfast and I just had no desire to run in the mud again. So <laughs> um, so I decided, and I was actually on the same day, I was standing on the side of the course watching the London Marathon on the bridge and yeah. just got all inspired and I was like, I'm doing this. This, yeah. this is what I'm doing next year. <laughs> so um, came back and ran my first marathon in 2001 and in London so brilliant um yeah what was your first what came through a time route yeah, out there yeah so I ran 216 that day nice. so um that was my debut that's and then, a very solid debut yeah yeah it was good and I was probably on target for quite a bit faster and then I had yeah. a wee patch where it wasn't so flash um oh somewhere about 23 miles to about 25 and um then I came good for the last mile but um it was yeah my my PB was run in Chicago um what's a few months later six months later or whatever it was wow. so yeah um and what was that? That was two thirteen. So, yeah, yeah, nice man. Yeah, so that was good. Very that was good. that was a good patch. Um, and then from there on out, it went went a bit cut, turned to custard a bit. I got injured and um, right before the Commonwealth Games in two thousand and two, mm. and um, never really recovered from that injury fully. So yeah. 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 And what was that injury? Um, yeah, that was a good question. Um, it was very complicated. It was they called it osteitis pubis, which is inflammation yeah. of the pelvic bone, um, and required all sorts of um, treatments. So I ended up having surgery and complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it's not a it's not an easy um, injury to manage or to diagnose. So yeah, uh, yeah. It took a long time, probably eighteen months before I got it properly diagnosed and had a surgery plan and. Um, got through that and then there was probably another year and a half of imbalance and yeah. treatment that went alongside it but you know my career had kind of gone by then so man yeah. and what was that like mentally I mean I've had sort of my share of of injuries but I've never been running 213 mm. <laughs> um, yeah and so like 
when you're running two thirteen as a Kiwi, like yeah. Rod Dixon's marathon record, yeah. it's not not too far out of your sights and um, Olympic games and all that. It's um, yeah. How did how did you kind of process that? Yeah, it was um, it was tough. Like I went to, uh, before I, before the Commonwealth Games, I went to Kenya to train, and mm. um, I was out there and I was running really well, and I was probably in the shape of my life and. I don't know, who knows what kind of shape I was in, but I'd, I'd like to think that I was in PB shape. Um, yeah. what, whatever that looked like, I don't know. But um, it wasn't until I got back to London, um, you know, some few weeks before the Games, and I, I was on a training run, and a vehicle pulled out of a driveway, and I sidestepped and um, to avoid wow. being hit by it and just threw my back and pelvis out, and that was the end of it. So, um, yeah, so it was pretty traumatic. It was hard to, hard to cope with at the time, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those experiences that you kind of look back at now and go, oh, well, I learnt a lot. And, yeah. Um, yeah, injury management um, yep. is, is pretty key. Absolutely. Yeah. And so a lot of people listening will be wondering what sort of what sort of training you were doing. Yeah, um, a lot. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, was it a case of a lot of mileage? Um, yeah, I mean, it was pre-GPS days, so I yeah. uh, don't really know to be exact, but I, I'd like to think I was in the, in the region of kind of 180 to 200 k's a week yeah. um, at altitude, kind of was up as close to where the Robertsons live now, cool. um, long before they were uh, out there, I might add. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty rural, and um, we just I just ran with the group of Kenyans, and I had no idea how far we went. We just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you didn't keep up, you got lost in the forest. And, yeah, it was, <laughs> And um, what about quality? Was there, uh, there much in the way of workouts and how, how would you sort of structure that? Yeah, so um, it was, I, I essentially had uh, two guys who when I arrived there were assigned to train with me. So yep. um, because of my work in London, I, was, um, I, I knew a lot of the Kenyans that were there and they, um, uh, they kind of assigned me two young guys to train. You know, cool. they, they were my hacks essentially. So, um, yeah, so whenever I had a workout to do, um, I would go and do that with them. Uh, nice. Yeah, and they'd alternate in the days with me or reps or whatever it was. So, yep. Yeah, it was good. Cool. Mm. And you get to experience some of those big, uh, massive fartlek sessions oh, where yeah. there's yeah. 100 guys in it or so. And the... Yeah, loads of those. Yeah. Um, when I was there, I don't know what it's like now, but when I was out there, all the training camps were based on who you were sponsored by. So it was a, oh, either okay. a Puma training camp or a Feeler or a yeah. Nike or a whatever. Um, so it was... Yeah, so you kind of we got together with the other ones occasionally and ran with them, but mostly we st- stuck to the ones who you who you were staying with. So. Yeah, mm. nice. And um, did that training in that environment? Did you find it sort of lifted your your game, like physically, obviously, um, but mentally, when you, you got so many sub two ten marathoners and um, world champions in the in the neighbourhood, does that kind of lift your your sights? Yeah, I would. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's one of those um, one of those places where you don't really have much else to do uh, other mm. than run and eat and sleep. So um, that's all you do. Um, and yeah. all the guys around you are trying to be, you know, world beaters. So um, you just kind of get carried away with their mentality and get roped into it. So yeah, it's a pretty cool environment. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're just seeing that the confidence that the Robinsons mm. have uh, when they approach a race, they're not there to make up the numbers or yeah. you know, be the first white guy. <laughs> yeah. That was an inverted comment. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, think um, you learn, I think you learn out there that they're just normal people as well. Like, yeah. They're just two arms, two legs and a beating heart. And, you know, it, and it, they're not invincible. Yeah. Um, you just got to be not afraid. Yeah, yeah cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so injury sort of put a halt on the, the, the running career and um, then you 
dabbled in the dark side. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, um, that was so that was all around two thousand two. But and it, yeah. I had a crack at um, two thousand four um, Olympics, qualifying yeah. for that in the marathon, and then again in two thousand eight, I tried again. Um, but at that point, I kind of knew it was if it didn't happen, then it was never happening. So mm. um, I'd said to my brother-in-law that um, if I don't qualify for Beijing in two thousand eight, I would um, do Ironman with him the following year. Wow. So um, I did Ironman the following year. Um, and had you had any history in in cycling and swimming? No, no nothing. Yeah. No, yeah. zero. Um, so I had that full first pool yeah. session. Go. <laughs> well, the first thing I ever did was my. I did a swim, open water swim with my brother-in-law, and yeah. uh, that was my first non-running event that I did ever done. Um, so yeah, we jumped in there. I borrowed my mother-in-law's wetsuit and um, uh, <laughs> your mother-in-law's. And my mother-in-law's yeah. wetsuit. Um, okay. Did the did the swim. Came up onto the beach, and I was and I said to my wife who was waiting there, I was like, "Oh, where's where's Darren?" And um, and she goes, oh, I don't know, he's still in the water, I guess. And I was shocked that I beat him out of the water because nice. he'd, he'd actually swum quite well at Ironman so, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the previous year. So, um, yeah, so, so it was quite discovered good. a bit of a knack? Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. Probably just the engine. Um, yeah. yeah, still yeah. still firing here. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and how did those the first few rides go? I remember the first time I hopped on a bike with cleats and <laughs> found myself on this on the on the pavement pretty quick yeah yeah, yeah. you're a bit of a rookie for a while yeah um, yeah but again it's just being confident with it and just knowing your limits and not getting too carried away yeah uh, straight away cool yeah. and so you did iron man um yeah did iron man uh, man new zealand iron man new zealand 2009 and um that was my first uh dabble into triathlon oh i did a half iron man before that but yep. um yeah so it was straight in the deep end a half iron man and a nice. full iron man and yeah. Even make it over to the Big Island. Yeah, um, I've been over yeah. there three times and raced. So wow, um, it's not somewhere I want to go back to, but I'm glad I went and um, experienced it. And um, yeah, yeah. How does that pain differ from, you know, that that deep stage of a marathon, 35 k's in, and compared to the, well, basically the deep stage starts when you yeah. start running, doesn't it? <laughs> it or, does. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the, the Ironman marathons doesn't seem as bad as doing a standard marathon for some reason. Yeah. Um, I found, actually I did a 100k ultra at Tarawera and that, I think that was worse. Really? Um, that, wow. that was way more painful than Ironman. Um, yeah, I was I was in agony the last kind of 10k's of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, and how did you go in Tarawera? Uh, I think I finished ninth that, that yeah. year. That was, yeah, like nine, just on nine hours or thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. Did it give you a bit of a... Bugs to want to do more hulkies? No, or no, <laughs> not at all. No, that was done. No, um, no, I did a, I did a fifty k before that, and the, and yeah. then that one, and that, yeah, I had no real, real desire to go any further. Yeah, yeah, you see that a lot with people who have spent a lot of time do, working on the quality aspects of mm. distance running, and then they'll do a couple of ultras and just test the water, like shut it down. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, like it was a fun experiment to, to yeah. do and I enjoyed the training and getting out and running on those trails and stuff and, you know, cool. I love I love getting out there on the trails but it's, yeah, to race on it is not really my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so I'll stick to the road. Cool. Yeah. Now, um, this weekend you're here on coaching coaching capacity, not, yep. not as an athlete, yep. um, as far as I know. Um, and so, yeah, tell us about when when coaching started to become a thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, like I've already mentioned, I was self-coached for a long time as a youngster. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, harking right back, it kind of goes back to there um, when I was kind of 14 or 15. Um, but my time in London, I actually worked um, for an agent who represented Kenyans, the top Kenyan runners. Oh, nice. um, so I, I And I ended up working, I don't know... I, 
as an assistant coach to him, I yeah. guess. Um, my job there was taking the guys to the track and taking them through the workouts that he'd kind of prescribed for them and then reporting back uh, to him. And he would enter those guys into races, you know, the Diamond League races and what have you, based yeah. on what I'd given him. So, yeah. um, so in a sense, you know, that was probably more a, more of a coaching assistant role yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... So, but what a chance to yeah, see a whole yeah, yeah, yeah. bunch of different athletes. And yeah, and, and that year we had, um, or 2000, we had um, Noah Nying who won the Olympic gold medal in the yeah. 1500. And, you know, we had um, Daniel Komen who was the world record holder for 3K and 5K at the time. And, you know, so it was a star-studded oh. um, group of runners. It was, you know, there were there were probably 10 guys who run under 13 minutes in the, in the squad. So wow. it was, um, it was, there weren't, weren't just a, a bunch squad. of jokers. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good squad. And those guys were all trying to get into races and, it, you know, it was all based on my feedback to him, to the, to Kim, who was the boss, to who he was going to put into the Diamond League. Wow. So, um, yeah. so looking, looking back now, kind of that, that was, you know, certainly part of the, the framework that I carry forward now to, mm. into my coaching. Um, when I look at someone run I can, and I just, I, I know, I think I just have an eye for how they're, how they're looking and how they're, you know, yeah. with their, their form and um, how they might be hurting or not. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so now you've got about 30 athletes on your, on your books, um, mm. some triathletes, some runners. Yep. Can I ask what you prefer, prefer doing or is that oh, a tricky question? It is too? a tricky question, yeah, and it probably depends on the day of the week. Um, yeah, yeah. I... I really enjoy the high performance stuff. Um, so working with Sam Tanner, obviously, um, and and then I, and you know and Hayden Wild and the triathlon mm. scene. Um, but I also equally enjoy coaching people who just want to run a two hour half. Like that's yeah, as yeah. rewarding as anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I probably flip flop between which I enjoy the most uh, on given days. So mm. yeah, be hard to hard to pick one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, and so. With yeah, with with your your triathlon coaching, like what what sort of differences have you have you found as far as um, adapting what you've learned in that running environment into the the triathlon? Is it the same thing, just different different modalities, or, or um, yeah? Yeah, you can be a lot more um, scientific um, with the cycling. Um, I yep. still I, st- I still think coaching is an art form rather than a science, but. Mm. Um, you know, you you can use a lot more data on the bike than you can running. Uh, I you know, I still feel that running is is certainly way more of an art form. I've I've dabbled around with the little power meters for shoes and and heart rate monitors and that kind of stuff, but I I I just don't think it's quite nailed yet. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's quite given you enough information to to make scientific approach um, and answers. You know, yeah, to how someone's going, but you can on the bike. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and do you kind of use that as your your main metric, or is it sort of backs up what you're seeing on the stopwatch, or um, you're you're picking up sort of subjectively from your athletes? A, a bit of both, yeah. yeah a bit of both. Um, yeah. Certainly, the data um, tells a tells a story on the bike. Um, you can certainly see what's going on um, with these yeah. big power spikes, or um, just the power's not there on a certain day. Um, yeah, you know, and sometimes you can trace trace it back to something that happened a few days before. So, um, mm. yeah, cool. But, now, this is a, a kind of tricky question to ask because it's um, well, probably twenty years ago, you'd put coaches into one of two camps. They're either sort of from the Lydiard high mileage volume, yeah. um, or they're from the more the um, maybe the the 
more intervals, more um, more quality camp. Um, yeah, would would you put yourself in either of those camps, or kind of do you see yourself as more pulling from from both when when needed? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, my background, I, you know, if you'd asked me twenty years ago, I would have said Lydiard because when yeah. I was a kid, I didn't have a coach and I just used a Lydiard book to run and I know I just did everything yeah, that was in the book. I opened the back of the book and then there was a program for fourteen year olds to run a fight, you know, cool. cross country and that's what I followed. Yeah. Um so but now I think um I'm far more prescriptive based on the athlete. Um yeah. and a lot of people I don't know don't maybe don't realise, but Sam, as a you know, as fast as he is, he only runs about fifty k a week. Wow! Um, and yeah, really? and so a lot of people say, "Wow!" or they don't believe it, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think his biggest week ever is seventy, um, yeah. and that was in the middle of winter um, last year. So, but the whole season this year, um, he's been hasn't been over fifty k um, yeah. a week. So, he's. You know, and is he supplementing that with anything? Um, surfing. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, no, but he he doesn't he doesn't require that kind of mileage, um, yep. and we can get away with doing other stuff um, mm. that you know that he can he can run miles later on when he's older. Like, yeah, and, yeah. And that's, yep. You know, he's got so much more room to grow in that in that space that you know with an, an extra fifty k's a week on him. Yeah. Uh, than he's doing now, he'll go significantly faster. So, but you know, there's no need for him to be doing that just yet because yeah. he's already going real fast, and you know, it's time for him to develop. Yeah. yeah. And so you're sort of seeing like the the difference between say his all out two hundred speed and his ability to do a ten k tempo. There's not that big drop off no. that you'd see no. from someone who's maybe doing too little mileage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, no, he's yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty consistent. Wow, that's awesome. Mm. And um, so what? Well, Without getting into too much detail, or giving away any secret sauce, like There's no secret 50, sauce. Yeah, yeah. 50k, um, yeah. 50k a week. That's not a hang of a lot to work with. So, uh, is it you know several sessions a week on the track, or um, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, normally, um, normally one to two track sessions a week, and then yeah. we normally do one on the road um, or cool. on the grass or something. So, um, but yeah, and then a long run. You know, and I say long run, it's probably only 50 minutes, you know, and it's, so it's not wow. really a long run. Really? Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. as far as it goes. So, yeah. and, but there's no need for him to do any more. It's, it, you know, it's enough for him. Yeah. Um, and so there's no point in giving him a two-hour run because he'll just, he'll just um, destroy him. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, whereas, you know, Hayden uh, Wilde, who I coach, he can run two hours and he's robust enough and he's old enough and strong enough to, to withstand it and then wake up the next morning and be able to do something equally as tough. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but so it's horses for courses in that capacity. But um, yeah, so yeah, be a couple of times a week on the track, and then um, probably one on the road normally. Yeah, um, yep. Cool. And uh, I mean, I've got it ingrained into my mind seeing um, Sam coming flying past Hamish in that fifteen hundred just a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um, and so he's obviously keeping a, a lot of speed. Are you kind of working on? It? Like is there other elements of gym work and um, plyometrics, surfing, <laughs> just surfing, so yeah. su- surfing uh, lots of surfing. Um, awesome. And no, we do um, we do a bit of work on the track. Um, so every week we do something um, that, just to help us keep his speed. Yeah. Um, and no secret, but he does quite a bit of skipping, um, yep. which helps him um, just that poppiness on his toes. And and there's a there's a video of him. Um, uh, 
taking I think two or three steps and then just springing onto the roof of his car. I don't know if you've ever seen it, oh, but nice. um, it's yeah. a pretty impressive video. But he's he's got um, he's got great power. Yeah. Um, so we just try and maintain that and and just build on it. So cool. Um, yeah, so I w- just small things to, yeah. to work on that. I really want someone to do a study. And so if there's any masters exercise science. Um, students out there want to want to do a study but comparing whether the predictability of a vertical jump to a 5k for for just you know general pop um and i've definitely found that the the more athletic say a 45 year old um, accountant is uh, ability to jump vertically i i see a pretty close correlation between their ability to also just being out of 5k yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah so that maintaining that athleticism is so so important yep yeah no that, that's cool um and then so that's sam tanner we'll, we'll, let's jump back a couple of weeks to that that national 1500 meter final um mm-hmm. what what was that like what to, um, um, you've worked with this athlete for i imagine a few quite a few years and you've seen him yeah i think it's been from a youngster yeah, I think it's been two years. Um, yeah, we've been working together. So cool. um, yeah, it was pretty cool actually. Um, he had nothing to lose going into that race. So yeah. um, and he's not an athlete who's, who gets scared of racing anyone. So that's yeah. that's always really good. Um, you, can, you know, he's lining up without you know the nerves or feeling like he's under any kind of pressure. So um, uh, and we actually. Uh, predicted how that race would go right, <laughs> almost down to the, to yeah. the letter. Um, For those who haven't seen it, jump on the Athletics New Zealand yeah. Facebook page and, and watch the replay because that was they basically went to a Sunday jog about yeah. 150 It was comical in. with the first yeah. uh, 400, yeah, it was about 78 seconds for the first 400, but they you yeah. know, they closed it out, Sam ran a 152 last 800, so wow, they, really? they they weren't dicking around at the end, um, yeah. and he was a 52 last lap, so wow, it was 60, 50, yeah, so yeah, the first lap was slow but if you yeah. didn't have that, you didn't have the capability, uh, capability to do that at the end, you were nowhere, so, yeah. um, and it was just the two of them left on, you know, coming off the bend, so in, in that situation, Sam's always going to have the the leg speed to, to get yep. by. So yeah, yeah, wow, mm. very cool. Yeah, um, and then let's transfer over to to Hayden Wild. He's yep. been making the headlines in the triathlon world, and um, exciting to to see another Kiwi. You know, not just um, yeah, not just making his presence felt, but actually getting up there and being prepared to lead the pack and. Uh, I watched that the team's triathlon a couple of weeks ago and um, seeing him just on the bike just pull back from, what, was he in about seventh place or something? Yeah, and yep. um, Yeah, pulled, pulled it back into a medal for the team. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about how he's going. Yeah, so he's, um, I think he's in his third year, uh, third season on the ITU circuit now, so uh, still pretty new to it, um, and really only just getting his first start, starts in the World Series racing. Um, so that Abu Dhabi race was his second ever WTS start, yep. um, and he came out of the water in the second bunch, they managed to ride up to the front, um, and then he spent quite a bit of time on the front of that bunch trying to keep the group away from the third group because there's a couple yeah. of really strong runners in that third group and he knew they were there so um, he was trying to keep them keep the front bunch rolling um, no one else was prepared to work so um, he decided to be first into T2 um, and then have a crack at trying to win the race so cool. uh, went out of tr- uh, transition and just put his foot down probably probably wasn't quite the best tactic gonna, yeah. in <laughs> retrospectively but um, you know I can't fault him for trying to win the race. It was cool to yeah. it was cool to watch a guy 
lay it all out there and go, you know, if you guys are good enough, you can come and get me. I'm going to try and win this thing. Yeah. If you don't chase me, then it's mine. Um, that was, you know, a really cool approach. Um, awesome. You know, and, and any other day it might have worked. Um, just unfortunately on that day it didn't. Mm. Uh, ended up 10th, but, yeah, it was it was cool to watch. I think he led for just on 4K of the run and then um, was running in third to about 400 to go and then got passed for 10th. So, wow. um, yeah, so but it was real close. So it was, it was close, only yeah, close 10th. Yeah. It was like 15 seconds between first and 10th. So, yeah. yeah. And so tell us a bit about, about his background because I believe he's pretty new to the swimming. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's... Um, he was a two-time um, coast-to-coast champion yeah. um, as a 17-year-old, I think. Wow. Um, oh, sorry, no, he won it once, sorry, coast-to-coast, um, yeah. and then he won Xterra uh, Worlds as an age group, you know, under-20 age group yeah, twice, yeah. Um, and then decided that he wanted to go to the Olympics. Um, hadn't really done a lot of swimming, even even with Xterra. It's mm. not, you don't really need to be a great swimmer for Xterra, but um, you do for ITU, so his swim was nowhere near good enough. Um, to be racing ITU, so he spent a year and a half just trying to be a swimmer, yeah. um, and then it was probably about halfway through that that period that he approached me, and we kind of started working together. So, cool. um, yeah, so it's been it's been an exciting journey. Like he's gone from a guy who could barely get a start on a World Cup to now leading World Series races. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and being one of the top triathletes in the world. So yeah, mm. and it's this incredible balancing act because you look at swimmers bodies and mm. you look at runners bodies they're quite different yeah um and so it's almost this trade-off the better you get at the pool the more muscle mass or um yeah. bulk you you build up and then that often that translates to a slower running speed yeah. um so is that balance quite quite tricky or? yeah it is quite tricky um well, we know that Hayden needs to keep working on his swimming. Um, yep. It's you know it's still his it's still his uh, weakness, um, and that we just need to keep working on it um, until he can be consistently in that front pack, which is he's almost yeah. there. But it's you know still going to be always going to be a work in progress for him. Mm. So um, we'll just keep working on that. And his run, he's 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 an absolute monster on the bike um, already. So we don't need to spend too much um, cool. time on that. It's 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 getting his running to a point where he can actually you know try and win these things and, and get away yeah on a run so yeah has he, 14 minutes yeah has he done a, a fresh 5k um yeah he ran the night of fives i think yeah. he ran 14 14 20 or something wow. um i think probably now he's he's he'd be in sub 14 minute shape at the moment wow, um really? and he's yeah i think he ran 14 40 off the bike in Abu Dhabi um, for 10th, yep. so, and he probably ran the first K way too quick, and that probably wow. cost him. Yeah, so I think Mola ran That's 14 incredible. flat, yeah. Really? Mm. And do you have any indication, like, what sort of speed, like, say, Mola's probably, what, the top runner in the, the sport at the moment? Um, yeah, I think him and a young British guy, Alex Yee, the yeah. top, top yeah. two. Uh, I think Alex Yee has run 13.20 on the track. Um, oh. he, he's the British 10,000 metre champion at 27... I, don't know, I can't remember, 2730, I think he ran, something like that. So, That's incredible. Yeah, so he's no mug. And yeah. so a guy like that, you know, if he's hunting you down, it's hard to hold him off. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah man, the, the sport's the sports changed quite a bit, eh? It's, it certainly um, has, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be a good good swimmer, yeah. good cyclist, and, a, and probably a, a really international class yeah. runner. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. Well, um, I should let you go and get back to your your coaching duties or relaxing mm. before the day tomorrow um what this will come out after the after the event but what are you sort of expecting to see tomorrow uh hopefully no rain yeah um but uh you know i think hayden's 
going real well. I think he's ready for a podium spot here. He's had a podium World Cup before um, in Italy uh, early last year. So, um, and, you know, he's racing well enough and he's racing with confidence. So, yeah, I, a podium wouldn't be out of the question. Uh, hopefully a win. Yeah. And Gomez yeah. is on the start Gomez line. Gomez is on well. the start line. So it's going to be a good scalp. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back to the racing because yeah. he hasn't done an ITU race for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. So he's going to. He did Kona. Yeah, year, didn't he? yeah, he did. So, so yeah. yeah, he's going to be he'll be a bit rusty, and he he might struggle with the intensity. But um, yeah. it'll be really interesting to see how he goes. And then next weekend, I'm off to Aussie Champs with with Sam. So awesome. Um, yeah. So that's fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred senior men. Yeah. So um, so yeah, that'll be real exciting. Um, he's have, again, he have nothing to lose, and yeah. if he if he plays his cards right, he could win himself a an Aussie title or run a really fast PB. So it's going to yeah. be one of the two. Yeah. Cool. And so mm. if it goes out fast, he'll, he'll just go and, yeah. and race. And yeah. if it goes slow, he'll he can be in for the win. Sit yeah. back and yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you've seen what he, you've seen what he can do over the last two hundred meters. So yeah. Um, yeah, if he puts himself in the right position and they're, they're not prepared, then um, he'll come swooping past. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Awesome. Well, keep up the good work. Thank and, you. Uh, where can people find out more about you if they want to um, want to look you up for coaching services and all that? Yeah, they can just jump on my Facebook page. It's probably the easiest yeah. place. Yeah. So, so just Craig Kirkwood Coaching. So cool. Yep. And website CK. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not very good at updating that. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go to Facebook. Just, just a static page. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thanks again, and um, yeah, all the best for tomorrow. Thanks very much. Cheers. And we are back. So uh, if you're wondering about that, that interview, it was recorded about a month ago just before the, um, the ITU World Cup race here in New Plymouth. Um, so, yeah, if you're wondering what the result was, I think Hayden got fifth in that event from memory. He beat Javier Gomez, which was the big scout, but um, yeah, it came down to a big kick down in the last about K and a half, a pack of about six guys broke up. Um, but, yeah, cool to see the Kiwis out there smashing it. Um, but, anyway, what have you been up to, Stefan? What's, what's been happening in your neck of the woods? Oh, man, well, running-wise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you've started a new job, so how, how are you managing to fit in the miles around that? Yeah, no, I've, I haven't been doing too much running, to be honest, for the last... Oh, maybe seven weeks. Yeah. And even probably going to be coming up eight weeks soon, eh? Yeah, just ever since um, I came out of a hospital in the new year and just was um, drained, like, from that um, infection I had, it was, I think, kind of had an impact on a few things. And then I've just had this real niggly pelvis. And it's like... Yeah, it goes all the way to kind of like around the top of the hamstring into like the hip and yeah. so in the front and just kills like even just you know, jogging across the street and stuff has been um, painful and even like walking and like getting out of bed and that. And so it's yeah, yeah been a bit rough, but no idea. No, no, but I've been keeping fit, doing a bit of swimming, like getting down to the beach, doing a bit of weights. Actually, yeah. started and some javelin. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so it's a bit random. But I um I was just down at the yard. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, was, I was down at the track and I was just chatting with this bloke down there who um, was like an older coach. His name's Peter Lawler. Yeah. And then I found out he's like an OAM and like coached Olympians and was like a good javelin thrower himself. 
back in the day and I was like, oh, and then did a bit of research on him. He's like actually one of the better javelin throwers, um, javelin throwing coaches around. So yeah. I was just kind of getting chatting to him there and said how he used to play cricket and throw a ball and stuff. And then he was like, oh, do you want to throw a javelin? And I was like, oh, yeah. And then so I just kind of had a few muck around throws and, and he was like, are you sure you haven't thrown the javelin before? <laughs> no, no, it's the first time. And he was like, come along next week. Yeah. So. Um, I've, I've been going like twice a week for like three weeks now. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna, what, I'm, what's your furthest you've gone? I've got out to around 50 metres at the moment. So stuff like a, a, like a five-step run-up, like just a short run-up because I don't have spikes yet. That's like a bit dangerous um, running in with just sneakers. So I've ordered some like proper spikes and oh, yeah, going to – Give it a go for a bit, hey, so we distance runner turn javelin throw. <laughs> but um, just enjoying it and then, yeah, I mean, I don't have to hardly do any running apart from the run-up. So it's, it hurts when I'm running, like, doing that, but it's less stress on that part of my body. But now, like, my, obviously my shoulders and elbow and stuff are all sore, so <laughs> maybe I'm just going to have different sore parts and then <laughs> see how things go. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm just looking through the annual best list uh, for this year so far. Um, ben Langton Burnell, he's he's beyond you at the moment. He's out to almost 72 metres, so you can leave him alone. Yeah, he's, he's, well, he's been in Commonwealth Games, I think, so he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah he's pretty handy. Um, then Cam Robin, Robinson, 59 metres. Brent Newdick, 55 metres. Jared Neighbours, 54. And then uh, Ethan Walker, 50.5 court. So he might sneak into right. the top five. It's pretty good. Yeah, I get, I get the spikes on, I'll be out to 60 before I know it, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, a, he, well, that's the thing. It's like, it's all obviously a progression thing too. And he's like, well, we'll get you to 50 metres first. And he's like, then we'll start doing some work. So I'm going to start doing some like um, prop kind of lifting and stuff for it. And sure, yeah. it gets stronger as well. Because my arms are my arms like got a pretty good throwing arm, like a natural um, throwing arm. And he said I've got like what's called like a, a quick arm. So it, nice. it naturally comes through pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and then I just need to transition that into like a proper run up and it's all, you know, a lot of it's technique and stuff. So yeah, it's yeah, a really technique heavy. Something a bit different, but still keep involved in athletics because I really like athletics. I wanted to do something that I can still compete in and stuff. So yeah, you will see. But do yeah. work hard this winter and hopefully I'm competing throwing it in the summer sure. no I think it's actually really cool like it's something that a lot of runners especially distance runners don't realize like when they get injured there are actually other things you can do in the athletics world um, that you can kind of transition into if you're finding your body's just not enjoying the 100 miles a week um, game and so yeah, yeah yeah and it's not worth getting down about something man otherwise I'll just yeah. like not be doing anything and just try and like get my body right to then go run again I'm like you know I'm just I'm kind of just sick of that so I'd rather just be able to keep doing something while my body allows it to and whatever that might be it's it's what it is so yeah and then, oh, yeah I, I want to get into a specialist at some point to see what's going on here because you know I've been to physios and stuff and trying exercises and all that but oh, it's weird I don't I don't know if it's a it could maybe even be a slight fracture in my pelvis, and maybe I do need a bit of rest. But um, because I'm able to, it can't be a strength thing because I'm doing some pretty like heavy squats and that, and it's um, it's feeling yeah. okay. 
that type of movement isn't too bad. It's just like once I'm bouncing, like jolt, jolting on the body. Yeah. Uh, tricky things, eh? Our, our bodies, I'm kind of in the same same boat at the moment. I I think every six months just have another flare up of the old the old Achilles coming back to get me. So um Yeah, last, Achilles again for you, is it? Yeah, the last month I've just been running's been on the back burner, um, been in the gym a lot more. Um and like you, it's just like I've always said to the runners that I coach, like you gotta view yourself as an athlete, like fall in love with the idea of exercising rather than just mm. running because you yeah. never know like if your running career could be over and you don't just want to go back to the couch after that you've got to have a, a proper love of actual just movement and um if there's the element of competition in there that you can transition that same competitive energy into yeah something like javelin or swimming or triathlon or yeah you don't need to just restrict yourself to viewing yourself as a runner you can if you view yourself as an as an athlete then you can transition so yeah i've been enjoying yeah. actually getting in throwing some tin around the gym um yeah cool yeah i was gonna say on a positive my achilles is actually pretty good <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. awesome well i'll be um, intrigued to see how this javelin journey comes along i've been wanting to um, get my pole vault career off the ground at some point. So maybe um, <laughs> I'll see you in a field event at some stage next summer. <laughs> yeah, mate. Get after it. Yeah, yeah. I've got to improve with my two metres in the pole vault. That's, that's my challenge. <laughs> get above, above a like height. You can <laughs> still jump without a pole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get over something that, um, that someone can't high jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Cool. Well, good to catch up, Stefan, and um, all the listeners. Get out there, get get running, get stay exercising, even if you're injured, and um, happy running, everyone. <laughs>